I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. He just did tweet out a picture of Pikachu and Eevee with a Pikachu dressed up like a Luigi. And everybody's like, well, his catchphrase is let's go. And I'm just like, oh, ah. And now, coming to you live from atop the Lavender Town Radio Tower, it's the one, the only, Pucko Podcast! It's Pucko! Pucko! It's Pucko! Pucko! And welcome to the 339th episode of the Puckle Podcast. I am your host, Trainer Thatch, here today with my riveting co-host, Mr. Maximus and Basket. And as always, we are here to bring you the 339th episode of the Puckle Podcast, the show where we talk everything Pokemon, whether it be the video game, the trading card game, or even Detective Pikachu. Puckle, of course, is a nonsensical name that was first created in 1874 as the original name for Levi Jeans with Copper Rivets. It, of course, stands for the Pokemon Underground Champions League, and we have a good time doing what we do. So welcome back if you're old, and welcome if you're new. We're here with a spectacular show for you guys today. Uh, it's my first time back. I took a two-week break, and it is that was the first time I think I've taken a two-week break in something like five years. It was nice. It was nice. I didn't have to do anything except unpack my house. But I'm happy to get back to it, guys. I hope everybody has sighed there. Oh, man, he's back now. But before we get going, I want to ask you guys what you've been up to in Pokemon lately. I guess I'll start it off. Pokemon, Pokemon, Pokemon. Well, I've been, since I last been on the show, I've been playing more Showdown. I've been playing um, the Inverse metagame, which is kind of interesting because for those who don't know, with Inverse, pretty much super effective and non-super effective attacks get pretty much switched. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's exciting. It's, uh, let's say you get a fire type and a grass type. The grass type would have the advantage because grass would be super effective against fire. Yeah. And so on and so on. And normal Pokemon are OP whatsoever in that meta. Yeah, I can imagine that because they're resisted by a lot of things. Like rock would be crazy to get hit by. Uh, go does it work for ghosts then with like resistances? Is that super effective then too? Yes, like electric can affect ground and like all yeah. all sorts of shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, then yeah, normal would be OP. 
you could do that. Like Pyroar is probably pretty good. Um, and then a few other things like that. I could see that. I, is there a place like that to do it in the game still? I know that was in Gen 6 thing. I don't know if it's a Gen 7 thing. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah, I don't no, think so. There should be. Like, I don't know why would they get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That's because that pretty much changes the game entirely. Well, yeah. it does, but... Well, I think it, I don't think it's balanced, though, either. They probably didn't balance that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. There's some unbalancing in the, in the metagame now, as far as types go, but... Uh, I mean, in the current metagame, if we're talking about OU, yes, I agree with you. There's some, like, issues. It, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like, pre-Gen 6, it's not that bad. Uh, Pre-Gen 6 used to be really bad. Gen 6, I think, was probably one of the most balanced metals we've ever had. But I would say now that we have stuff like the fairy type that's just kind of dominating everything right now, especially with the introduction of the toppers this gen, that really did change a lot. To this day, I still wonder why was fairy type resist bug? Bug did not need another type to be weak against. I don't know why. Bug is just one of those things they just kind of like to beat into the ground, and they absolutely hate it. Which is funny, because... The whole didn't the whole thing start because that guy loved collecting bugs. Yeah, Satoshi Tajiri liked collecting bugs, and so they made Pokemon to um, what's the word to reignite or to allow other people to experience that as well. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's really weird. They just kind of keep giving Bug the shaft, and I don't know why. Granted, it's really good against psychic types. Uh, it actually got moves in Gen two, so that was probably the biggest thing. There were actually bug type moves that existed in Gen two, and then. I guess great. They're Twin Needle, and uh, what's, there's one more that existed in Gen two. But tw- first of all, Twin Needle's on Beedrill, which is going to get hit by Psychic types real hard. And then I think there's one other Bug type move that I'm forgetting. Um, and then it was just it was awful. Gen one was awfully unbalanced. Yeah, I'm so amazed by the fact that those games are so popular. That Gen like if you look at Pokemon Red and Blue, those games were just so bad objectively. And like just in terms of there were there were just a bunch of glitches in it. There were a bunch of issues in it. Red and blue. Did you know it's possible to get stuck in red and blue version um, and not be able to progress? Yeah. So in red and blue version, remember, you have to go into the safari zone to be able to get HMO three, right? To go get the surf TM Mm. and you need the surf TM to progress through the game. Well, it costs 500 Pokey dollars to get into the uh, to get into what's it called? The uh, safari, safari zone. So it is possible to bankrupt yourself of money before that point and not have enough money to get into the safari zone to go get HMO3. And if you're out of Pokeballs and you're out of items to sell, you can't catch a Meowth that has Payday on it. You're just done. You can't do anything. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't progress with the game. Yellow version fixed it. And they, if you don't have $500 when you get to the Safari Zone in Yellow Version, they're just like, oh, we'll just comp you for this one until you get HMO3. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can just, like, those games are, like, they're, I mean, we all obviously have some kind of fond memories of them. But I think that's more of just, like, the Pokemon marketing method than literally the games themselves, <laughs> if that makes any sense. That's, that's, I, I'm just blown away by those games every single time. Like, anytime anybody brings it up. Well, what about what about you, Basket? What you been up to? I've been um, uh, I've been doing a lot of non Pokemon stuff, but I have uh, gotten back into uh, um, Pokemon Conquest. Um, I absolutely love that game. Man, that game's a, fantastic. Yeah, as a, as a fan of uh, um, stuff like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics and things like that. Yep, I absolutely love that game. As you should. That game's amazing. It's a little too simple, like the mechanics, 
but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's a great game. I love that game. I think I, I'm so sad that it didn't really take off and that you couldn't get it. You couldn't yeah. get um, it. It couldn't get a sequel or anything. But that was also at a time when I think tactical RPGs were kind of like at a lull until, of course, Fire Emblem came out. And once Fire Emblem came out, people like discovered the tactical RPG genre. And that's where I mean, then you always get we just constantly just get remakes of Fire Emblem Awakening now. So that's a real big problem, except for yeah. except for that re-release, which which was what what was that one? Fire Emblem Echoes. That one was all right. <laughs> it wasn't great, um, just because that strayed so far from the Fire Emblem formula, I think, and it probably gave you something more like a Final Fantasy experience, in my opinion. And I, I don't think that really hit it off too well. But we're gonna get Fire Emblem hopefully in the near future. Fingers crossed for E three. E three's in less than a month. Oh man, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's pretty uh, exciting. Yeah, man, I totally wasn't paying attention to the date whatsoever. It's 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 the twentieth right now as we're recording this, but it's going to be the twenty first when this is released, and I I can't believe that, man. E three's in like a week, and we're probably not going to get any Pokemon news. We'll see though. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of people that are disappointed if there isn't, but I can tell a story about when people were disappointed uh, <laughs> in a very similar <laughs> scenario to this one. And it's called Last Year, where we did get a Pokemon Direct right before E3, and it was for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and everybody wanted Pokemon Stars. And <laughs> and then you had a very vocal minority getting very upset that Pokemon was giving giving the Switch the shaft. And before that, there was Pokemon Z, and then before oh, that, there were Pokemon... Yeah, it just uh, never stops. Z was, Z was a different scenario, in my opinion. That one was sad, though, because... Pokemon's really starting to hit on this like annual franchise thing without trying to dedicate itself to it, but it's getting to the point where it needs to start doing it to like maintain pace with other franchises. And I, I, I'm interested to see how it goes in the future. I'm very interested to see how it goes. All right. So I think we'll, we'll cut it there because we've got some news to talk about. So let's kick it on over to the news and cue that epic music. <laughs> And on to the news, so let's do some very easy uh, stuff right at the beginning. First of all, if you're playing Pokemon Go like most people are, Ho-Oh is now back in Pokemon Go as a raid battle. It is now the new legendary raid until June 7th, so you can check catch Ho-Oh now once again. Also, it means Shiny Ho-Oh is back, and they decreased the catch or increased the catch rate of Ho-Oh, so it's easier to catch as well. So go get your Ho-Oh if you didn't get one, and find some friends to beat one up. Because I think it takes like three or four people to beat one up successfully. That's the only problem I have with legendaries, man. That's the only problem I have with them. And let's see. Also in Pokemon Go news, they updated it so that the AR feature when you're trying to catch Pokemon doesn't allow them to flee anymore. First of all, I didn't know that was a problem. Uh, Second of all, that's uh, good, I guess. The fact that that was happening to begin with. Like people are just trying to take their novelty pictures with like a Snorlax or something, but then it runs away. That would suck. Like that's I I can't believe that was happening to begin with. The other thing is uh, there's a new Ultra Sun Ultra Moon battle competition that's open for registration and starts this Thursday in the United States, 7 p.m. Eastern. 
you can go. It's called the, I believe they talked about this last week, the Ultra No Holds Barred competition. But there are still holds barred because you can only use Pokemon from the National Pokedex, but it still prohibits Mewtwo, Lugia, Ho-Oh, Kyogre, Groudon, Rayquaza, Dialga, Palkia, Giratina, Arceus, Reshiram, Zekrom, Kyrem, Xerneas, Yveddle, Zogaleo, and Lunala. However, it does allow you to use things like the Mythicals in these battles. So it's not completely off, but at the same time... Wait, I just realized they still allow you to use Ultra Necrozma. This is stupid. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Ultra Necrozma is like one of the most... It, it is one of the most banned Pokemon in the universe here right now. So, okay, good for you, man. He gets to go play. So everybody's going to be running Ultra Necrozma this weekend. I might shine up for that and see if I can get some battles on stream just for funsies because I don't I don't see that going very well at all. My favorite uh, battle competitions like that are the ones where they have really weird metas that are very specific, like when they're just like you can only use Pokemon that are in the red, green, and blue color groups. Those are the ones I think are a blast <coughs> because you actually like create a meta that wouldn't have been created otherwise. This one is just like oh everybody's gonna have alternate Krosma and they're gonna hope they kill the other alternate Krosma before it kills them their own. Uh, it's gonna we'll be like chalk teams with Landorus. Yeah, uh, honestly, except, yeah, without Landorus, though, where you can have alternate Krosma. It's going to be awful. Is this a single battle? It is single battle. So it's at least it's like three on it's three on three. So it's going to at least be quick when you die. Um, and then let's see. Uh, moving on, though, to more news. And this is the stuff that I think is actually really interesting. They released in Japan a special manga that is based on the life of Satoshi Tajiri. And they actually show some of the develop of Pokemon. And in it, they actually show some Pokemon that got cut from the beta of Red and Green. And there's I, I, there's actually, I think, a fourth one that I missed out on, too, before, when I was talking to you guys earlier. But there's four Pokemon that were in this. There's a deer, a uh, crocodile-looking thing, which I think is honestly, if you just kind of scale back its features a little bit, you kind of get Crocorock out of it. Um, a really cool shark with, like, a spear on the end of its fa- face. And if you look at the other image, there's like a fourth one that you can kind of see that kind of looks like an elephant that was also in there as well, but it got cut as well. I, I, Do you think this could have been Stantler and Fanfi and Donphan in the early stages since they are Gen 2 and some of them did get over? Honestly, you're probably right. I agree with that. I could definitely see like, uh, what's the word? I could definitely see the deer becoming Stantler because it does look very prototypical of Stantler if you look at the design. Um, it just takes a little spikes. bit. Yeah, it's got like spikes. It also, it also looks like a, like a really weird deer dragon thing to me. I wish we would have gotten it. That one looks kind of cool. I don't think it was Gen 1 Pokemon-esque, but I think now Pokemon-esque, it definitely would fit. Uh, but I, yeah. I actually agree with you that it could be Stantler, like a like a preconception of Stantler. Or they were just like, well, this deer got cut, so let's put a deer in this next generation. And they had Stantler ready for that. I find it absolutely hilarious because there's some that are circled, and most of the ones that are circled actually made it into the game. Yeah. But then there's one that's obviously Spiro and it's like crossed out. Yeah. I'm just imagining like the guys like like drawing all these different things and then somebody's looking it over and they're just like, no, that's just a bird. That's dumb. <laughs> we we already have a bird, okay? And it's uh it's spirit or it's pitchy, right? I could totally exactly. see that. I could totally absolutely see it. The I, I think I just think it's really interesting that they like released this. First of all, from a couple of points, one that they still had it, they still kept all of the prototype designs and all of the these are obviously prototype sprites as well, and those are all just intact and they put them in this book, which is really cool. I'm a big fan. Uh, second, I'm really upset we didn't get the shark, though. 
to be honest, like I said, I don't think I don't think a lot of these Pokemon kind of fit the Pokemon design overall. In general, if you look at Gen 1 Pokemon, if you were to put one of these in there, I feel like it's over-designed in a way. Like if you look at the rain or the deer, it's a little bit over-designed compared to something like Lickitung on that page or any of the other Pokemon that we really have, even Blastoise. And then you, Same thing with the weird crocodile thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the crocodile thing and uh, it looks like they made a crocodile and then they just like put stuff on it. <laughs> gave it crazy, gave it dark brown hair. Yeah. That's the real thing. Like I just I there's a few things here and there where I think it's all right. Uh however, I like I said the shark is closer, but again with the spear and everything, I think uh, have you guys ever played the game Monster Hunter uh what's it was not Monster Hunter, it was what's the game Dragon Quest Monster Catcher thing or whatever it was. Monster oh, yeah, Monster yeah, Rancher. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. that's that's more like the shark is one of the creatures I would expect to see in that and not in the Pokemon game. If that makes sense, yeah, I feel like they uh, they really toned down like in the original Pokemon games. They really toned down like the aggressiveness. Uh, yeah, um, I agree. And with that. I think some of these uh, might might have been thought of being like too creepy or aggressive looking for children. Yeah, um, I agree so, with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the most aggressive thing we got in Pokemon is probably like Gyarados. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this thing looks more ferocious than Gyarados. It's just a lot going on with it. I yeah. I agree with that. I just think it, like I said, it looks too monster and not like cute, cuddly creature cartoon character. I feel like that's really what they went for with Pokemon. More of a like family friendly design. I, I don't really want to say family friendly, but a, a more kid friendly design in a way and not super like Japan-esque mech monster. You know what I mean? I think honestly, yeah. honestly, I think that's part of the way, reason Pokemon had such more, such uh, more success than other franchises is because they kind of kept something that was more universal. Like if you take a look at Yokai Watch, a lot of their creatures, because it's essentially the same game um, in terms of like catching creatures and stuff like that. Though it has a more uh, Dragon Quest monster rancher type capture system, which I think is garbage personally. But they have they have a. Uh, the capture system, but also just the Pokemon designs just being more universal and not based on Japanese cultural so heavily. I think mm-hmm. that really goes over really well. And I think not over-designing their Pokemon is definitely another reason for the success is because it, if you look at Yokai Watch or the monster or the Dragon Quest Monster Hunter, a lot of those monsters are just too over-designed. And yeah. I, I think those guys, I think the ones that they cut and the ones that they mentioned not making it into the game are absolutely those, fall in that category. Which makes me, re- I mean, it's really exciting because that is what happens. And, I mean, even now, a lot of the Pokemon we get, there's just a very Pokemon feel that comes with Pokemon nowadays. And then, I, I mean, I think that's pretty much all of the news. I don't think I missed anything from this past week. There hasn't been too much in this past week. But if you do uh, play... Oh, the other thing that I forgot to mention is the uh, trading card game got its rotation announced, finally. And it's happening super early. It's happening before Worlds, which I find really interesting. Is that the f- rotation for Pokemon is happening to be what? What is it going to be? It's going to be Sun and Moon on starting in like July, like after Nationals. And yeah, yeah, it's a it's a huge uh, skip, and that's that's crazy to me. Like that they're doing it that quickly. I like it to an extent, I and mean, maybe because Worlds gets is Worlds played on that format too. Then I, I don't know if Worlds is actually being played on that format. I don't think Worlds would be, but obviously next year would. 
I know next year would. I, I just I'm really curious to see if they're just doing it to move it to worlds or something like that, just to make the worlds players have to really adjust. That would be an interesting thing. The one thing that makes me really sad is that expanded is still black and white onwards. I've I've been crossing my fingers, waiting for it to just move up to X and Y onwards, because some of those black and white cards are getting so hard to get, man. Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. Like, move on. Let's move on. Let's give me X and Y and onwards. Granted, I think black and white has a lot more fun cards, just because it wasn't it wasn't intended to be part of a format for this long. I I would like to see X and Y onwards, though. I would love to see that happen. Maybe next year. We'll see. Yeah, and I think I think that uh, um, there's at least a decent case that if they're going to be moving um, the standard meta that far up mm-hmm. so soon that they might be doing that and um, also changing expanded. Um, a lot of people have been thinking that uh, um, expanded was essentially going to be the new. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called now, but. Um, the one where anything goes, like you can have mm-hmm. Pokemon from any um, uh, set, like from the starting one till now. That'd be crazy. Um, uh, but uh, there is a format like that, um, but it's almost never played because it would take so much research to get into, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, it would make sense for them to move it up eventually because they want to. Um, uh, at least I would want to get away from that. I would too. I just, if they're going to keep it the way it is, I feel like it's just, it's going to, I feel like it's going to create a stigma more than anything to people coming into the game because the game is growing. And I feel like you're getting to a point where you're going to have a lot of people who are going to start complaining like, Hey, I can't play expanded because Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars for a computer search. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is really just trying to get stuff like that to happen. So we'll see in the future, maybe next year, maybe next year. We'll see. All right, then we are going to kick it on over then, guys, to Puckles Poke Quiz, where we're going to quiz your co-host on their innate Pokemon knowledge. And welcome to Puckles Poke Quiz, the part of the show where we quiz your co-host on their innate Pokemon knowledge. Of course, that means no internet, guys. You have to use what's in your heads. And of course, what's going to be happening today is we're going to be having five questions for you guys to answer. One point for each question. You guys are allowed. We'll also have one question that will include a bonus point. And on top of that, we will also be. Uh, you'll also have a hint that you can use at any time. However, if you get all of the questions correct without using the hint. You can cash that in for another point for a maximum total of seven. So if you guys are ready today, we will get right into it. You guys good? Yeah. All right. So question number one comes from Professor Snag, and it's a nice softball to get us going. How many appendages does Octillery have? One, two, three. I know it's either four or six. Well, Octillery would... uh... Yeah, it, its name is, uh, uh, trying to remember basic geometry here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it has eight. Octagon has uh, eight points, but Octillery, I don't think, has eight legs. Because um, that would make too much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say five, um, because, yeah, I want to I say it's five. So five. Yeah. yeah. 
Are you okay with that? Is that going to be your final answer? Five is unfortunately incorrect. I believe it's actually seven. Uh, let me double seven. check. Yeah, I'm going to count. Yeah, he has like seven arms. It's uh, uh, actually, nope, it's eight. It is eight. Never mind. I miscounted. What? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It makes so much sense for a Pokemon, right? <laughs> yeah, he's got like he's got like the two that stick out front that you know, like Derpy Octillery. And then right. he's got like six that are just kind of all shoved together in the back. That's silly. Yeah. That so, is so way too much sense. <laughs> way too much sense. All right. Hopefully you guys do better on this next one. Uh, so this next one uh, comes from me. And uh, I want to know, uh, in every Pokemon game, there's also been a console <laughs> in each of those games in the player's bedroom. And I want to know what Nintendo console was in the player's bedroom in Pokemon Red and Blue. What home Nintendo console was in the player's bedroom in Pokemon Red and Blue? Wasn't that a um, Super NES? Yeah, I think it's SNES. That's what I would think. Um, let's see. Because it could, it could have been sixty four, couldn't it? Well, so this is been, I, I thought sixty four would have been but yellow. I think it is. I think it is the SNES. <clears throat> Is that your final answer? In 64. Is that is that your final answer? Well, let's do rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's one of these two. And uh, honestly, um, uh, I can't remember when the first Pokemon games came out, but I think the Nintendo 64 came out in uh, like 96, I want to say. So if the Pokemon games came out after that, then I would say it's the 64 because they've always... Um, uh, put in the most up-to-date gen, at least in the newer ones. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it would have been the 64. What's your final answer? Uh, okay, Maximus, rock, paper, scissors. Now, are we doing shoot or are we doing... Uh, <laughs> I'll, just do, I'll just do one, two, three. And that's it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, one, eight. two, three. Wait, wait, the lag is so off. I'm looking at this right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. One, two, three. All right. So we're doing uh, Super Nintendo. Well, thankfully, Maximus won. So that is correct. All right. Uh, it is the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo was the console in the player's bedroom. However, when they did the remake, they actually made it a, just a regular Nintendo, which is nutsos to me to think. Also, we have the very sad appearance of a Wii U in the player's room in X and Y. Uh, just uh, just like a little tidbit there. It's also in Sun and Moon, but in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, they replaced it with a Switch. <laughs> so that I, I feel like that's just... It's a fun tidbit to go into. All right, so that gives you guys a point for, so far. So we've got two more or three more questions to go, however. So question number three uh, also comes from me. And I want to know what Pokemon is based on the same Japanese legend as the anime Naruto. Oh, isn't that, what, isn't that Nine Tails? Is that your final answer? I believe so, yeah. All right. That's correct. You get a second point. <laughs> <laughs> that, it is Nine Tails because it's based on the Legend of the Nine Tail Fox. And that's, yeah. uh, that's Naruto right there. There's a Naruto tie-in for everybody waiting for tie-ins to animes. All right. <laughs> so this next question has the bonus point. It comes from Seth Vilo. And it's, uh, it's a little bit trickier than the last couple. But he wants to know about berries. And e-reader oh, berries, no. to be specific. So, for those of you who don't know, if you use the e-reader, you can actually just scan cards to give your give your game specific berries. 
Um, and there were 12 of these for all of Pokemon for Reddit, for Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, only one of them was only one set of the only six of them were available in the United States. And which really it blows my mind. And of these there, so there were 12 total and six of them did things other than just create Pokeblocks. So if you can name two of those of the berries that could do something other than make Pokeblocks that came from the e-reader, uh, we will give you a point for each one. Oh, man. Um, this is pretty rough, but uh, I can tell you right now, they're mostly based them. They're based off of like real-life foods. I'll give you that one for free. Uh, so when you say they're based off, um, does is that in appearance or in name? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Because it typically looks like the same, and then they'll like alter the name of the actual vegetable or fruit to right. something similar. Okay. If you give me the actual, okay. if you give the actual fruit as well, and like I'll just give it to you because these are berries. Um, I'm going to. There's two that I there's two that I know that uh, um, that are based off of fruit that I can think of off the top of my head because I'm horrible with berries. Um, and they're from the e-reader. The e-reader. Okay, Seriously. so then. These are a little bit rougher. So they, they, they can't uh, turn up in the vanilla game then? Uh, they Yeah, they wouldn't turn up in Ruby and Sapphire unless you had did the e-reader. One of them is actually, I believe, a berry now um, that uh, ended up getting a use later on, but it didn't have a use prior to that. Um, it's really interesting. Um, of course, you guys have the hint as well to use, and the next question is always the stack question. So if you want to use the hint, we could use the hint. You want to use the hint? Sure. Yeah, let's use the hint. Okay. Oh man. Okay. So I'm just getting, so there's six of them that you're trying to name here. Um, so I can tell you one of them is based off a, uh, a vegetable that is seen commonly in the fall time in the United States. Um, another one is a, uh, is a spicy vegetable. It's a, it's a spicy vegetable. Uh, not, not a pepper though. It's like, uh, it's something that you'd put on a hot dog maybe. Uh, and then another one is, is a substitute for chicken for vegans. Um, and then <laughs> these are really good clues, right? Um, and, and then let's see, I don't even know what the other ones are based off of. Actually. I'm going to, I'm going to like right click these real quick. Uh, okay, so while we're doing that, but there, you get, you get three of them so far. Those are for free. Those are the actual ones that can come out in the U S can, can, can you say them over again? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, one of them is a vegetable that you typically see, uh, around the fall time. And then another one is a spicy vegetable. Like I said, just something you'd like put on a hot dog or something like that. Um, and then another one is a uh, substitute for like meat for vegans. They'll, they'll grill this up sometimes. So one's a, should be based off a pumpkin, I'm guessing. I'll say that's correct. There's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you so that. Let's say, let's say uh, pumpkin berry. Uh, yeah, close enough. Chili, chili, <laughs> chili, chili. Uh, well, he said it wasn't a pepper though. Sauerkraut. I've never had sauerkraut. Sauerkraut spicy. No, it's sour. I wouldn't call it spicy. <laughs> um, Unless he's talking about mustard seed. The um, other ones aren't actually based on fruits. They're just based off the anagram of the word enigma. Um, okay, so. I'm trying to think of like I'm trying to think of like a vegetable that's like used as a meat substitute. Unless it's tofu, but I doubt that's it. <laughs> right. Uh, egg, eggplant, pumpkin berry, and eggplant berry. Are those your final answers? I feel like I I, I don't know if they're the names, but I I, uh, I don't need the names. Them. I don't need the names. Like the fruit they're based off is good enough. Okay, uh, pumpkin and eggplant. 
that is correct on both accounts. So that gives you guys yeah. four points. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, they're awful. The ones that actually came in the second batch of those, because like we didn't get half of these in the United States; they were Japan only. Um, but uh, the chillin' berry was one of them that didn't do anything. So you were kind of close there. I probably would have just given it to you because good job on naming like berries from the e-reader. And <laughs> then uh, there, the other ones were the Ginema berry. It was an Enigma berry. Like they just anagrammed it. The Yago berry and the Tuga berry, which is just a carrot. E- yeah, they're, they're all right. They're not great, though, because I mean, if you transfer them forward to Gen 4, it actually would just turn into an Enigma berry. What are the, what are the names of the uh, um uh the eggplant and the pumpkin one? Uh, it's pumpkin, but no p in the middle. Uh, okay. And then eggant for the eggplant <laughs> one. Uh, so pum- <laughs> so like pumpkin, not pumpkin. Yeah, pumpkin. Yeah. Ugh. And then uh, there's the drash berry, which is based off a of horseradish. That was the other one I was giving you the hint for. Oh, horse horseradish. You put horseradish yeah. on hot dogs? You can. People do it. I would. And all right, so moving on, then we need a. Uh, we're gonna pick a Pokemon with a stat for you guys to guess here. So we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna pick. Uh, I want to know what Pokemon. What. Uh, what let's say let's say Dark type. What Dark type Pokemon has the highest base special attack? Special attack oh, is mm-hmm. what? What does is Ultra, Ultra Necrozma? Yeah, Necrozma. Dark type. Dark type. Make sure it's the Dark type Pokemon. Ultra Necrozma is not a dark type. Oh, wait, it's a psychic type, isn't it? Yeah. Dark type with the highest, like, what is it, on Darkrai? No, I feel like there's something higher than Darkrai. Highest special attack, dark type. Let's see, there's Mega Houndoom, Darkrai. Are, are Megas included, Thatch? Yes, as always, Megas are included. All right, so then... Uh... Those are just two that come out the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. So let's think of like heavy hitting, heavy hitting dark types. Um, so <clears throat> Weavile's is attack, not special. Um, right. It's a uh, special attack. Is, is trash. Yeah. Um, uh, Mega Houndoom is has a pretty huge uh, special attack. Um, same with uh, what was the other one you said? A dark ride. Dark ride. I feel like there's more. We're just not thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like Dark um, Houndoom's bigger than Darkrai for some reason. I just think. Well, Mega Houndoom, I feel like would be um, because I I remember playing him when I was doing a uh, um, uh, what's it called a, a, a monotype uh, Nuzlocke run, mm-hmm. and he was pretty awesome. But he was like pretty much a glass cannon. Um, uh, Umbreon is kind of crap. Um, I don't remember Mega Sableyes, but I don't think that it's really that high. I think it's just usable. It's more defensive than offensive. Hydragon? Is he... How high is his special attack? It's not... Like, it has 600 total um, stats, so it can't be that much higher because its defenses aren't that bad. Right. Oh, and then uh, Yveltal. Um, oh, no, I don't know what his is. Oh. Yeah, so I think it's between uh, Eveltal and Mega Houndoom. Hydreigon, Hound, uh, Mega Houndoom, and uh, um, Darkrai. Uh, let's 
Well, you have a twenty-five percent shot. <laughs> I'll need it. I need an answer. Okay. All right. Um. Oh man. Uh. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to think the uh uh of Mega Hound Doom's special attack. <laughs> like trying to reach back like, into my memories. <laughs> if you want my if you want my guess, I'm going with Mega Hound Doom because I feel like Eveltal is a little bit too obvious. Like there's some megas with like extreme. One extreme stat, but all the other stats aren't so good. I don't think his was above 150, though, and I feel like that's kind of like a threshold. I'm going to need an answer, guys. Okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, okay, let's, let's, let's do Mega Hound Doom. That's what I, like, I would like that to be true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. It is actually Hoopa Unbound. Ah. Uh, Coupon bound as base one seventy. It like crushes everything. Um, the next, wow. you guys like did really well naming the rest of them though. The next one is actually Ash Greninja number two with a base one fifty three. Oh man, that's and, oh, I, I didn't even think. Oh. Houndoom is number three with base one forty. Then you have Darkrai in the number four slot with base one thirty five, followed up by Yavetel with the base one thirty one. So if you guys were on Future City Feud though, you would have done really well. So that would have worked out really well for you guys. Well, that gives you guys four points, though, today, which is above my average. So uh, take that. I would give you the rankings, but I did not keep track of everybody's rankings during my absence. So I will update it for next week. But take those four points in prides, guys. Uh, so we are going to shift it on over then, guys, to the topic after this really short break. Hey, Puckalonians, it's Sublime Manic. Can't get enough of your favorite flip-flopping podcast? Then check out our social media. You can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and YouTube all from our website, PocoPodcast.com. And you can join our Discord to hang out with your favorite hosts and other Pocolonians. Also, check us out at twitch.tv slash thepucklepodcast. And if you have an Amazon Prime account, consider subscribing to our Twitch channel. You can also check us out at YouTube at YouTube slash PucklePodcast. And we also have a Patreon if you're able to give anything at patreon.com slash podcast. And welcome to the topic. Our topic today is going to be some of the rumors that are swirling around the Pokemon community. Uh, the rumors that Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee are in fact the next Pokemon games and are going to be released on Switch this year. So, I, I mean, let me, let's open up with all of what we know, just so we can all start from the same basis. So what we know is that last month at the beginning of April, some guy comes in on 4chan because that's where games are leaked now. 4chan. Uh, why that is, I don't know. It's always 4chan. So 4chan posts this guy. He goes, the next games are going to be called Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. And they are going to be uh, remakes of Pokemon Yellow. And they're going to both be on the Switch. And they're going to have some different tones. And they're just going to upgrade the graphics and stuff like that, and it's just going to be that there. And first of all, I think that's incredibly realistic <laughs> in terms of what to expect from a Pokemon Switch game. Uh, two, it does definitely go into a different style than they were really anticipating, but uh, th- that's what we know so far. And then what happens is there's a there's a notable user on Twitter called Pixelpar. Um, you can go check him out on Twitter. He has, He's been correct in predicting the date of a Nintendo Direct back in February. February or the beginning of March. What, there was a direct then, and he w- he predicted the date of that a week in advance. So he's just like, well, I'm doing these drawings for Pokemon, and people are really reading into them real hard. 
saying that they show that he knew about Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee the entire time, this and that. And so you have that's the second person that did it. And then you have Lena Dunham, who is a history of being both right and wrong in the game industry, saying yes and no. So or saying, yes, these are the games. And so this has got the, you know, the fan base all up in a huff. I would like to point out that Lena Dunham did also say that Pokemon Stars was a thing. So we should all take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Pokemon Stars was all was definitely not a thing. But the thing that really adds credence to this is that very recently, back on May 15th, a company called CSC Domains registered the domains Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. And why is that important? Well, CSC domains are the people who registered the Pokemon.com website, the Pokemon Sun and Moon website, the Pokemon Black and White website. So that's the only thing that lends credence to it. But at the same time, it could just be some company registering domains just to kind of get the jump on it. So that that's one thing to just watch out for, I think. Also, don't forget, Pokemon also registered PokemonGray.com and PokemonZ.com for a short amount of time. They don't have them anymore, but they did register those when those games were thought to have been recent and to come out in the future. What I want to do is I just want to open a discussion and just see what you guys, first of all, think of this rumor, and then we can talk about some of the specifics if it is true. So uh, what what do you guys think? We'll start with Maximus. What do you think so far? Well, like you said, take this with a grain of salt because... It's the internet. You never know what's going to be true, what's going to be false. You got to really use your head on it. But it'll be nice if some of this stuff was new, was real. Uh, it'll be kind of, I would say, if they do go this route, it'll probably be a throwback to Pokemon Yellow uh, because Pikachu and Eevee, which were the, the two starter Pokemons of yourself and your rival. And a little maybe it'll be a little bit esque of the anime as well. But, um... If it is like that and you start off with Eevee and Pikachu, I kind of feel bad for Pikachu unless it's a special Pikachu. Right. I don't know how. Because right. I believe the Pikachu in Pokemon Yellow was a special Pikachu. Like, it learned moves at different levels. It became... Yeah, kind of. It did, I don't know if it learned moves at different levels, but it was definitely different. It, it, well, first of all, you couldn't evolve it, which makes it, honestly, right out the gate, already inferior to Eevee being a starter. Um, not, not including the fact that Eevee can become one of like eight Pokemon now. So that's, that's another problem. And yeah, actually, if you think about it, they have Pokemon out of me, like you can get a, um, a Pokemon like off the bat, like evolved, like Sylveon off the bat before you can get their first gym. Yeah, exactly. I, I just see a little, I see some problems with that just gameplay wise, like using Eevee as a starter, but maybe they give it the same Pikachu rules, right? Where the Eevee mm-hmm. can't evolve or something like that. That would be awful, that though. Would be stupid. Right? Because that that's the whole be, point that, of that Eevee. Like, mm-hmm. That would be what? just like yellow, where I immediately box it. <laughs> like, well, I guess I guess my starter's a Pidgey. Man, I would <laughs> I would just be so upset. Because I, I think, first of all, if we just wanted to set aside the moment for like the starter uh, conversation, I think... If if their goal is to try to bring back people to the main franchise, and everybody's saying because there's idea, there's uh, the rumor flying around that it's going to include Pokemon Go integration, and they want to try to get the fan base from Pokemon Go. They're talking about well, then you just make remake Gen One games, and people will really like that. That I I have so many problems with that because one, if you're going to try to remake a Pokemon game for people to relive the Pokemon experience in the way they remember it, Pokemon Yellow is not the way to do that. Because you take away what I think is one of the core aspects of like Pokemon nostalgia, and that's the ability to choose your starter. 
And, and I guess you get some artificial choosing by choosing whether or not you're going to pick Let's Go Eevee or Let's Go Pikachu. But I think that's a I think that's a huge problem. And so if these games are real, I think that's that's a huge problem, and it's going to be definitely a flaw when the reviews come out for these games. Uh, but I also use it as a way to point out maybe these games aren't happening the way you think they are. Or maybe it's kind of in the sense um, it's a way for you to get two starters at the beginning of the game. Maybe you get to choose something. Like you get to choose the Charmander, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, but then you also get an Eevee or a Pikachu, right? Ugh, that sounds disgustingly broken for some reason. Yeah, well, if you remember, it kind of go- harkens back to the idea of Pokemon X and Y, right? Where we got Pokemon, uh, we, where you got a second starter, essentially, after you beat the first gym. Yeah. And that so it kind of harkens back to that idea. So just something to consider when you think about it like that. But I really don't like the idea of taking away the ability to choose a starter. I really don't like that if you're going to make a main series Pokemon game. I think it was great as a gimmick back in Gen 1 when they didn't know what they were doing with Pokemon. But now I just don't think it's going to fly. Personally. As much as I said, like if you guys remember back like a year or two ago when we were predicting new Pokemon games... I would totally be down for a sequel to Red and Blue, right? I like we got that kind of in Gold and Silver, but I would totally be down for an adventure that's a sequel to Red and Blue, where you also start in Kanto and you get to go from that way. I'll yeah, also like, have a problem like Black and White too. Yeah, like Black and White too. I'd be totally down with Black and White, a Black and White two, but in Kanto. However, that comes with some caveats. The biggest one being, I know Johto is right there next door. I better have access to Johto. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's that's the one thing. Like, as a longtime Pokemon fan, the one thing that bothered me more than anything playing through Fire Red and Leaf Green is, I know Johto's right there. Let me go to Johto. <laughs> I, I could see them in a sequel allowing you to go to Johto. I would be, I, like, reverse gold-silver, I would be okay with. That's honestly what I want. If you're going to remake those games, reverse gold-silver, let me go through Kanto again, and then, you know what, surprise, after I beat the Elite Four, there's an entire another region for me to explore, and that's Johto. So I, I think that would be interesting to see and explore that. Yeah. I wanted to bring up a couple things. This is uh, not me necessarily trying to add credence to the rumor that these games are coming out, mm-hmm. but I thought they were at least interesting enough to point out. There's been all these different, so like retroactively, and people online are, are kind of acting like, oh, these are coming out, this information is coming out right now, as in it's like more leaks, but honestly it's it's them retroactively looking back at things and trying to tie in things that lend credence to it, but could also just be completely circumstantial. Like for instance, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, One of the lead creators of Pokemon has apparently had a lot of pictures taken of him somewhat recently where you can find specifically only Pikachu and Eevee in the pictures. Yeah. No, there's also, that was Junichi Masuda. He's been doing that and he does things like this all the time. Even before X and Y, like he had like a picture of X and Y before X and Y of like him in France or something like that, uh, yeah. which was really interesting. And then on top of that, you also have him. He just did tweet out a picture of Pikachu and Eevee with a Pikachu dressed up like a Luigi. And everybody's like, well, his catchphrase is let's go. And I'm just like, oh, ah. <laughs> I mean, so is it. It's the same for Mario at the same time. Yeah, so- I, I think I think either he's messing with us and I, I i don't know enough about the history of like how many times people have been like oh he's got this in uh or he's doing this this must mean whatever they come up with um but oh, that man. is interesting because, because i've seen like 
three or four photos that people had compiled where it was just them. But then also Pikachu and Eevee are arguably the most popular Pokemon from Gen 1. Yeah, just as no. far as like... Yeah, uh, totally. Um, yeah. And because so they actually it, just... They've launched a Twitter recently that is just Eevee pictures. Yeah. That, there's a Twitter that is just Eevee pictures. And everybody's like, well, why would everybody pick Eevee? And it's like, because we're going to make a game out of it. No, because Eevee's one of arguably the most poss- po- like prominent Pokemon in the series. Uh, if you're thinking of like the big five Pokemon to talk about, especially if it's Gen One, right? You're looking at Pikachu, you're looking at Eevee, you're looking at uh, Charizard, which got a lot of love way back or not too long ago. And then on top of that, you're looking at something like if you want to look outside of Gen One, you can look at Greninja, which got a lot of hype, and I think Decidueye's in that same seat as well as Grin- relative to Greninja. So. It's just something to kind of watch out for. I feel like a lot of it's a lot of confirmation bias right now in terms of people trying to say, yes, this is going to happen. Because literally a year ago right now, we got the same exact thing happening where everybody's like, yeah, Pokemon Stars is going to be announced next week. And then they got super disappointed when Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon came out. My only my only hesitation, both in turn, this is both like a supporting fact and a detracting fact for me at this moment, just because I don't I'm not that into the game industry that I know how long it would take for them to produce a new game on a new system. But the thing that really gets me is Pokemon didn't think that the switch was going to be successful until about March of last year. So I don't hold more mo- like much credence in the fact that they started developing a game much until like April of last year, April of 2017. And maybe March, maybe March at the earliest, but they, I don't feel like they started developing a game for the switch except for maybe just like running sun and moon on the switch just to see if it could do it. So if they really needed to, they could pump out ultra sun, ultra moon onto the switch. Right. And I, I just don't see that happening. And everybody's like, well, they've been working on these games since before the switch was launched when they had NX dev kits. And I'm like, oh, I don't believe that because they didn't think this console was going to be successful. Um, the the other thing is I could see this being such a fast turnaround because in fact, this is when you just take re like old material and you reuse it. Um, to, to the reverse of that effect though, one of the things that led credence in my view to Pokemon stars uh, when people were first talking about it was it made sense to me that they would try and put one of their more popular IPs onto a Nintendo platform because like if you think about it they have they've always had uh Zelda and Mario and things like that but if you're thinking of the top three it's Zelda Mario and Pokemon I understood why they never really put a Pokemon game on uh any of their you know like a main series Pokemon game Mm -hmm. on any of their consoles because the games themselves creator wanted specifically people like it to be mobile so people could interact with each other And that's kind of how the Pokemon games have always been, you know, but because of their fear of the switch failing, it made sense to me that they might've been talking about putting a, uh, a Pokemon game uh, with the same sort of battle mechanics and stuff like that, like a core series game, Mm -hmm. get that other giant population of Nintendo fans. Oh, I think it's, I think it's a huge thing. I I think it's kind of, it's kind of when Nintendo, when they release this game, it's the moment that they go, okay, this is when we want to kill the 3DS. And they just like point at their foot and they shoot it, right? Because <laughs> one, the 3DS is doing fantastic still. And Nintendo mm-hmm. has said that they are going to support that into 2019. Like there's a game that was announced at the um, Nintendo Direct back in March 
that is slated for a 2019 release. Granted, it's definitely slowing down. The software releases on the Nintendo 3DS are slowing down, and you're going to get much worse games. Like It's just going to be ports of like Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition number 5. Here you go, 3DS. <laughs> and you're going to get stuff like that, where that that's the kind of stuff you're going to see on 3DS right now but like i said th- there's a new game coming out for it in 2019 maybe it's the maybe it's the last hurrah for the 3ds i don't know personally if i were game freak and they were pushing for a new pokemon game to come out this year if game freak was doing it not nintendo because we all know nintendo's like okay give us some of that switch money right and put pokemon on the switch i if like i think a smarter decision personally because you're going to have the vocal minority of fans that just come out and start screaming about this is you drop us a, a Pokemon Direct sometime later this week, right? Uh, the Direct comes out, and what we get is they come and they say, re-experience Diamond and Pearl once again, this fantastic adventure on the 3DS, and you get Diamond and Pearl remakes on the 3DS, because I think, honestly, that makes more sense to me, personally, is you just drop that there, you keep the 3DS alive, you can you can squeeze out the last of the 3DS, you're still going to sell a ton of Pokemon games. And that gives you another year to make other Pokemon Switch game. And they, you, we all know they have two teams at Game Freak. You have the team that works on the brand new, brand new games. And you have the junior team that works on remakes and stuff like that. Like the Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon team was different <clears throat> than the Sun and Moon team. They were just the junior people because they were just taking something that was already created and building up from there. And... I wouldn't be surprised if this happened because the junior team did work on Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. So it'd be a pretty fast turnaround for them to work on Diamond and Pearl remakes. Granted, I would argue that Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon didn't have that many changes from Sun and Moon. So they could have possibly worked on both at the same time. Though I, I'm saying that this th- this scenario has a very, very little small chance of happening. But it's what I think would personally be smarter for them um, as a company as a whole. Just squeeze out that 3DS, you know, just get get every last drop out of there. And... You could get a few, a bit more money out of there. It's still going to sell probably because Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire sold like a ridiculous amount of units. They sold like 12 mil- million units or something like that. And I know they have some like crazy goals for the Switch this year too. It's something like 15 million Switches this year. And Pokemon would definitely help you hit that. But you know what else will help you hit that? The fact that they just announced Super Smash Brothers, right? That's going to yeah. be, that's going to be nutsos just in general. Super yeah. Smash Brothers on the Switch is going to bump up that sales by like 5 million units. I swear to God. I think. I think something that would be smart on uh, Nintendo's part, if they want to keep the core series and the most up-to-date games on their handhelds, which it seems like, you know, for the entirety of Pokemon, like I talked about a little bit earlier, um, they've been wanting uh, more social interaction between Mm -hmm. players and a more portable system for that. And it seems it's all been framed around that, right? So let's say the next real next-gen game, they keep on handhelds, but their remakes they start doing on uh, consoles because it's mm. games people have already played. Uh, they can throw in uh, new Pokemon on there, but all of the uh, competitive things would still be on the handheld because there's nothing new. They're not shooting themselves in the foot by putting the new Pokemon with all their abilities because to me, it, it makes sense that if they're going to be doing... Uh, I mean, obviously, they're going to continue the competitive scene, and if they do that, then they're going to completely shoot themselves in the foot if they're trying to put the Pokemon competitive scene on the Wii U now instead of uh, handhelds, which I do not see happening at all. Well, I can see um, it going to the Switch. Yeah. I can absolutely see it going to the Switch. Only because I, I don't I don't see it going as well as it does with the 3DS, granted. 
because with the 3DS, you can sit down and cross your opponent. You just have 3DSs out and you just battle, right? Uh, with the yeah. Switch, I see it being a little bit more difficult. Maybe you could still have the Switch out and you just put that on the desk. Though, granted, it's got a larger footprint than uh, 3DS. But you could you could definitely put it in just in handheld mode. The problem is it just doesn't charge that. Like, the charge isn't that long, I think. Which it was is like three hours at the most. I mean, you could probably, out of, out of low-impact games, you can get six, seven hours out of it. But, it, like, with Hyrule, or not Hyrule Warriors, <coughs> I'm thinking of Zelda. With Zelda, it's definitely three. And that's a high-impact game. I don't think Pokemon will be pushing the Switch to its limits, personally. I see. I think Pokemon will be more of those like five hour battery life games, but that's still five hours of battery life, which is awful. If like if let's think about me going to regionals back in February, that would that wouldn't have been possible. I would have had to charge my my switch because I just left my 3ds on all day. It was a whole day of competition, and I just in the this is all from the competitive scene, and I just don't. I, I can still see it happening because you could definitely put docks down and monitors and stuff like that, but I don't see them getting enough monitors to bring 200 people into this competition, right? Uh, yeah. That's, that's the only thing I could see. You definitely need to have that. It'll be much easier for them to stream, granted. I'll give them that. Um, that, that is the one thing I'm looking forward to with the Pokemon Switch game is that it's definitely going to be much, much easier to stream it. Um, and it's definitely going to allow more content creation to happen. Yeah, and as long as long as they allow a decent uh, search engine to be able to, uh, or like online aspect to be able to battle your friends online, mm-hmm. then um, uh, yeah, I don't see too much of an issue with that. They they also had um, going back to rumors that I think kind of happened like post the unofficial announcement of uh, Let's Go Pikachu and uh, mm-hmm. um, Let's Go Eevee. There's been some uh, push, and I don't know I don't know how accurate this is. But a lot of people have been talking about how there's a not official source, one that's claiming that in a week we are going to get an announcement before E3. And they're talking about how this is the person that I think I think maybe you were talking about that. And I just didn't know. Pixel par. Yes. And Lena Dunham, I think, as well, did that. So the one thing that I think needs to be taken away from this is that Pokemon has never actually made a reveal of any game, any main series game at E3. That's never happened in the past. I think people are starting to catch on to that. A lot of the people that do like the leaks and like the fake leaks and everything, they've caught on to this finally. So that people trying to speculate don't go, well, this is what happens, right? We know this because people are starting to catch on to the fact that Pokemon doesn't do this. One Pokemon can always surprise us. I have learned one thing in the past, uh, how many years now? The past like four or five years of Pokemon that there are just no rules anymore. There's no rules what to expect from the Pokemon company. They have just been changing it year after year now. And which is great because it keeps us on our toes and it makes the game much more exciting that way. However, uh, that that is I think they'll definitely try to keep the spotlight on them when they announce the game. And instead of announcing it at E3, though they did announce the game technically at E3 last year, I could definitely see something. Uh, but so that means, you know, we have less than three weeks now for Pokemon to make an announcement or no, we have a little over three weeks now for Pokemon to make an announcement. And they're saying this month, this month. Well, yeah, that makes sense because it's before E3. Uh, I just wouldn't hold my breath right now, though. I, I can imagine Nintendo is really pushing them to come out with a Switch game. But I don't know how much Nintendo is going to push them to put out the Switch game. And that's really what concerns me is that everybody's getting their hopes up. And I feel like they're going to get crushed again, man. <laughs> I, I just feel like it's going to happen. And we're just going to get a huge, huge outburst of people going, hey, Where's my Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu game announcement trailer? Uh, 
granted, there's a lot to talk about, and I wish we had more time because uh, th- we could definitely go on for like two hours right now about this game. So maybe if something happens this week, we can we can continue discussing it. However, I like because there's a lot of issues with the idea of let's go Pikachu and let's go Eevee that we just didn't get to delve into outside of the starters today, and I, I want to discuss that at a later point. Uh, but I think the overall greatest is thing here is take this with a grain of salt. Everybody do not get overhyped for this game and it's release unless it does get announced later this week. Then yeah, have all the hype you want. Uh, just take also take that with a grain of salt because I feel like Pokemon, if these games are real is taking a much more casual route. Can I, can I, can, can we talk a little bit about? Yeah, go hype? for it. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> one of the things I'm really uh, excited for, if, if these rumors are true, the idea that uh, you would actually see the Pokemon on the map, mm. um, which is something that's been speculated because of that uh, picture that came out. Oh, the picture of the trainer on the lattice with the Pikachu. Yeah, and there's like a, there's like a Magikarp to the left in the water, and like the tail of a Gyarados going by. Yeah, I think that's super cool. I think that would be a whole lot of fun. So they've been getting better at this recently. Ever since I'd say X and Y, it's been not too bad in trying to get this going, uh, because. If you go into X and Y, there's like an underwater tunnel you can go into, right? Um, and it, and if you're actually in there, you can actually start to see the Pokemon that'll float above you, and you get you get some cute animations of like a Mantine and like a Waylord and stuff like that. So I think that's it, it, they're definitely pushing towards it. And Ultra Sun Ultra Moon is definitely I think the best example of Pokemon in the Overworld. They they were just going nuts with the Pokemon in the Overworld in Ultra Sun Ultra Moon, and I really do like it. It brings the world to life. Um, I don't think they should do it. I don't think I think they should keep wild encounters the way they are. But I do like the idea of just more Pokemon in the overworld. Yeah, for for me, I love the idea of being able to run away from them. Like if you can visually see them, be like, no, I don't want to. Like I don't want to get in the middle of something because when you're, you know, I I hate in Nuzlocke when I'm I haven't made the right decisions and I need to make <laughs> it to the uh, to the Pokemon Center. Yes. And granted, this is my fault, but I need to make it there and then. Um, my team slowly gets whittled down and I have like three left by the time I make it to the Pokemon center. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so being able to, uh, run away from them would be a huge advantage in my opinion. <laughs> also, when you're just playing the game and you're trying to get through a place cause you're like, Oh, I forgot to grab this thing in this town. That's four towns away. Mm-hmm. Now I have to run through and do all these battles where I'm going to get no, ex- uh, experience doing and it's just a complete waste of time but i have to do this because mm-hmm. i forgot that tm or whatever you know so that would be really cool um yeah. if you could kind of speed that up but uh yeah I, there's some other things that i want to talk about with it there, like there's a lot with just the concept of the game but i i want to definitely hold off on that just in case the games are announced because i that way i can complain with like validation uh, yeah <laughs> all right So I think this is a good place to stop. We're going to take a short break here, guys, and we'll come right back at you with the Pokemon of the episode. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Greetings, irresponsible parents of awful children. I am Volga Vladinovskaya, spokesperson of the Family Services Division of the Devon Corporation. Do you wish for your child to behave like a proper citizen? Do you wish to be relieved of your parently duties and live free like you are young once more? Esdorva, bring your plokiedeti to Driftblum Decker, where we will take uh, excellent care of them. You need not worry about their health, Rodi 
The drift blim will keep a close eye and limb on them at all times. Children who come to our daycare have been proven to come back home more soulless, what well behaved than ever before. Yet more shall you deal with joyous plusos and minions in your assholes. <laughs> the best part is to ask. Your first month at Driftblim Daycare is now mostly free. Barring, of course, your child's soul. N- n- never mind. Just bring $50 and some bread. Nemostrana. Driftblim Daycare. No refunds. <laughs> And welcome back to the Pokemon of the episode. The Pokemon of the episode this week is National Dex number 409, Rampardos, the headbutt Pokemon. Somebody read a Pokedex entry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was just, uh, um, okay, so I actually have uh, two for you because they're both pretty good and they kind of work in tandem. So uh, the one from Sun says, the result of repeated headbutts is a skull grown thick and hard. However, its brain has shrunk in size compared to Cranidos's. So, essentially what it's saying is uh, Rampardos is stupider than Cranidos uh, once it evolves. And then it's it's awesome. And then, um, it's an Ultra Moon uh, entry says, This ancient Pokemon used headbutts skillfully. Its brain was really small, so some theories suggest that its stupidity led to its extinction. So, Rampardos is the dodo bird of the Pokemon universe. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Kranidos is in the PU tier because it's it, so the because it stinks. So like, well, the problem is it's just outclassed in like a bajillion ways. So for those of you who wonder about the space base stats, base one sixty five attack like that's its that's a thing and that's all its thing is because uh, base ninety seven HP is its next highest and then base sixty defense, base fifty special defense, sixty five special attack, but nobody cares, and then fifty eight speed. The problem is that's the same base speed as Kranidos. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so it gets dumber and doesn't get faster not it's, at all the, 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 i mean the terrifying thing is the 165 attack and in pu it has its uses the problem is it gets outclassed so hard by so many things like crustle and what's the other thing that really outclasses as well golem these are both other rock type pokemon but they have other types and better move pools so they do somewhat better than Rampardos. However, Rampardos beats both of them, both of them, and those are both typically leads that you see in Pokemon. And that's probably Rampardos's niche is being if your team is super weak to a Crustle slash Golem lead, you bring in Rampardos because Rampardos has access to Rock Slide, Superpower, Zen Headbutt, and Zen, it has Ice Beam and Fire Blast. But why are you running those? Um, Force. <laughs> yeah he does get sheer force that's true he does get sheer force we'll give rampardos that but it, he's just not that great uh, uh, we'll put it on a trick room team <laughs> let's see what happens. yeah trick room is something that you actually pull off in pu so i'll give you that because you could actually pull off trick room in pu the problem is everything else in pu is also terribly slow and you but i mean those are the moves you really want to give him he does have access to a few other niche moves uh one of those is avalanche avalanche is something i could see him using somewhat successfully um, another one is crunch. He does get access to crunch. That's something to consider. And he, I'm honestly really surprised by this, but he, oh no, he does. Okay. I never mind. I misread earlier. He does get earthquake. So that's another, every Pokemon gets earthquake. So you should just yeah. remember he gets earthquake. Yeah, Iron head. You got the punches. Does he not get head smash? He does get head smash. You should just run head smash. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's bread and butter right there. Yeah, man. You should run Head Smash. That's way better. Uh, Head Smash. I think Zed Headbutt's good for a good coverage move. Rock Slide's another move you can use if you don't want to take the recoil. But just take the recoil. It'll be fine. Uh, he had 97. That's not bad. Oh, wait. I think he. I think with Sheer Force, Rock Slide actually does more. No, it doesn't do more, but it does it does close to enough. Um because I don't think Head Smash gets the gets the sheer force boost. Um and then Zen Headbutt also gets the sheer force boost. Superpower will also, I think, get the sheer force boost. Maybe not. No. Um and then you I mean, he can, does he get he gets bulldoze though. I mean that'll mm-hmm. work. And he does he get he gets fire punch, doesn't he? Uh he yeah, does. He gets thunder punch and fire punch. He, no no ice punch though, because nobody ever gets all three, man. Nobody ever gets all three. And, uh, unless you're Hitmon Lee. Yeah, unless you're <laughs> Hitmon Lee or Hitmonchan, man. You can. All three. Sorry. There's well, like, I, thought, well, um, I thought Medicham got all three. Yeah, Medicham gets all three as well. Uh, fighting types typically will get all three. Yeah. But you'll see a lot of other Pokemon. Like I think the best example of that is probably... I think Dragonite doesn't get all three. I don't think he gets Ice Punch. No, he does get Ice Punch. I don't know what I'm thinking. He might get all three. But a lot of Pokemon will only get two. Ampharos is a good example of that. It gets Fire Punch and a Thunder Punch, but no Ice Punch. Um, you'll see a lot of them just get two out of three. It would have been weird if he didn't get Thunder Punch. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same thing with Magmar. Magmar gets Thunder Punch and Fire Punch. Uh, I think Electabuzz does get all three. He might not get Fire Punch, but I think he gets. I think he gets it, though. So that, that's just something to keep in mind. But if you do want to run a Rampardos, like I said, Rock Slide slash Head Smash, just however you're feeling that day. Uh, Zen Headbutt, Superpower. And the sets online say Fire Blast, Ice Beam. I think that's very situational back in X and Y meta. But I think, honestly, it would be really good to run Earthquake just because you'll get, uh, or Bulldoze even, for that matter. You can go ahead and start hitting, uh, what's it called? Um, you'll hit uh, Skunk Tank, which is pretty prominent right now in PU. And you should definitely run Life Orb because you're running Sheer Force and Life Orb won't proc if you're getting the Sheer Force boost. Um, and if you want to, you can... They say Naive and Naive. That's if you're running Fire Blast or Ice Beam. I would just say go Adamant. Or not. maybe not even Adamant. Go... Uh, if you're going to run Trick Room, you should run Brave. Brave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 252, 250, uh, Attack, 252 Speed. That's a solid spread if you're going to try to go fast, try to outspeed Crustle. But if you're in Trick Room, I would just get rid of the speed and put it all in HP. But, yeah, especially more uh, head smash. But uh, Basket was telling me there is a card in Ultra Prism that just came out for about Rampardos. Can you can you elaborate on that for me? Uh, elaborate yeah. on that for me, Basket. So, this is uh, Jushiro's new favorite Pokemon. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, is he disappointed? Um, he's too hyped to be disappointed. It seems like. <laughs> Um, but essentially, uh, it's the very first, uh, fossil card that is even remotely, uh, playable. Um, and so Chishiro is super excited about it. Um, essentially, um, it has, uh, two attacks. Um, it has, uh, clean hit for 60 plus and it's only, it only costs, uh, one fighting energy. If your opponent's active Pokemon is an evolution Pokemon, this attack does 60 more damage. Um, and then it has um, a uh, so a, a potential of um, 120. And then it also has Wild Crash for three fighting energy. If your opponent's active Pokemon is a basic Pokemon, then it's just knocked out, period. Which is pretty crazy because it's uh, it can be done over and over again. 
Um, but uh, it it's it's one of those infuriating uh, situations that uh, TCG players find themselves in sometimes, where you look at it and you're like, "Whoa, this is super overpowered!" And then you try and put it in a you know because it could just kill things if it's a basic. Um, but then you try and put it in a deck, and it all kind of starts to fall apart because you need to have all these other things um, to get it going, and it just never works out the way you want it to. Yeah, it's pretty slow. Um, but just because you have, first of all, it's a stage two because fossil Pokemon always need to evolve from the fossil, so that's just slow to begin with. And on top of that, you still need three fighting energy. Like that's three turns to attach to get the wild crash going. So I can just see that being a pain in the butt. Yeah. the uh, One of the arguments, though, about it is that uh, you're not really using Wild Crash that often. It's more of like a secondary attack. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in uh, um, the fighting type has a whole lot of, uh, um, especially in its energy, um, it has a whole lot yeah. of ways to increase its attack. Um, so the 60 plus, you, you're essentially working with a base uh, um, 120 uh, if that Pokemon's evolved. And then... Um, uh, you're just adding on with uh, um, uh, the fighting special energy and uh, um, the belts and stuff like that to just do more uh, attack damage. So. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, because you can put Choice Band on it f- even then for uh, the evolution Pokemon that are already there. And yeah. th- then you have Strong Energy. Strong Energy is what, plus 10 or plus 20? It's plus I 10, believe right? it's 20. Oh, it's 20? Yeah, then you can just keep stacking Strong Energy, man. And you're going to get, you could eventually just get, for the evolution Pokemon, you could get to 180 easy mm-hmm. with uh, with that. So you can take out a lot of things that are evolved at that point. I mean, you, you want you want to hit like 250. Like 250 is like the nice sweet spot. But I mean, you could you could definitely get close with just Rampardos. <laughs> Put, hook that up with a Tapu Koko or something like that. That'd be, that'd be fun to play. But I just, I feel like you could just get incredibly frustrated and disappointed. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else about Rampardos that I missed? I doubt it. Um, it's blue. And it's one of the few Pokemon that's got a decent shiny. Because it gets, like, super red shiny. But now I guess it turned pink. Because we had to desaturate everything when we went to 3D models. Uh, so that is going to be it then for this. If you want to hear any more crazy Pokemon stuff, you can check out our website, PuckoPodcast.com, and read up on the information there. All right, we are going to kick on over then, guys, to the mailbag. It's mail time! It's time for the mailbag! Send in your emails! Check your inbox. It's time for the mailbag. Mail! And welcome to the mailbag. The mailbag, as always, is brought to you by the Green Tauros Energy Drink. The energy drink that gives you hooves. Hooves. And as always, we will be going ahead and (laughs) uh, giving out the Green Tauros badge to anybody we deem worthy. So we'll get into it. As always, though, if you are new to the show, this is a segment of the show where we read listener emails. And you can, of course, go ahead and read those emails, or we read those emails on the show if you send them in. We'll get into it. Every week, there's typically a prompt. Last week's prompt was, what do you think of plot and Pokemon games? And we are going to go ahead and just dig into those. So here we go. Our first email is going to be from 
that one geek. Um, hey, Thatch and crew, I'm a relatively new listener and a first-time writer, and I like to share my thoughts about stories in Pokemon. Listening to Professor Snag present the idea of a Breath of the Wild-style Pokemon game reminded me of another podcast I listened to who discussed the exact same thing and presented their, their own ideas. These inspired me to share my own thoughts. Oftentimes in Pokemon games, I find myself disappointed in the overarching plot. I think that the only plot of a game should be... Uh, I think the only plot of a game I've ever been interested in is both Generation 5 games, which I think are great, and the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. For me, this is very disappointing. I'm a sucker for a good story. So much so that I'm currently running a tabletop RPG based on my own take of the Pokemon world with my friends, working with them to build their own story. However, after playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I've learned to appreciate games where the story comes second to exploration. I think that Pokemon games would benefit from having story be optional. As Gator said, the plot in Pokemon games heavily railroads the player, and I think it would be interesting to play a Pokemon game with these railroads completely removed. Maybe you could tackle the gyms in any order you like, and they scale to the amount of badges you already have. Maybe the wild Pokemon scale this way as well. And each route offers the common but weaker Pokemon. But the rare but more power but uh and each route offers the common but weaker Pokemon and the rare but powerful ones. You can find a level three Onyx in the wild, but you'll have to work for it. And maybe you can decide when to take on the overarching plot, whether it's right after you receive your first Pokemon, or after you've defeated the Elite Four. I know this is wishful thinking, but if Game Freak made an open world Pokemon game, I would play it for hundreds of hours. And while I love story, it is something that I think is not needed for a Pokemon game to be fun. The core of the game is collecting Pokemon, not the overarching plot, or the competitive battling, or even the love story between the boy and his Malasadas. With that in mind, while a story is certainly beneficial, it is not needed. Anywho, I feel like I've been rambling on for long enough now. Sorry for the very long and scatterbrained email. I think I even changed my own mind on how I thought about multiple things halfway through this email. Anyways, keep up keep up doing what you do, and I'll catch you guys on the flip-flop. That is from that one geek. I think that's a good. I think he answered his own question, honestly, <laughs> because he said he liked plot, and then he started talking about running a tabletop RPG, which I think having the lack of plot in a Pokemon game allows you to do, just because Pokemon is one of those games where it's very much, hey, this is your story, you make of it what you want, and a lot of things are open to interpretation, and Pokemon relies a lot on headcanon, and I think that's one of the great things about Pokemon is that. You and I can have different views of what the Pokemon world is, and it also allows us to make a podcast about it, uh, which is really nice because I can do that once a week. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's that's really interesting and really fun. So thanks for that email, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, you want to jump into the next one, uh, Basket? Tim Simco? Simio? Simio. Yeah, that's no it. problem. Simio. Dear Thatch, if he's got the internets hooked up, and his courageous co-hosts. Before I enjoyed competing or breeding in Pokemon, I got sucked into the story and the lore of Pokemon. So plot does matter, and it matters in a in any story-driven game. <clears throat> I, I I agree with this. Uh, plot. I wish Pokemon games had better plot. But anyways, story-wise, I enjoyed Gen One and Gen Six because it was essentially ooh six because it was essentially the same location <laughs> uh, plot points of saving the Pokeball Factory and restoring the power. I do feel that length of story has a lot to do with it. Most Pokemon games are under 20 hours to play through, while the Sun and Moon games are pushing 30 to 40 hours. By the time I finished the storyline, I was burned out and had no desire to do anything else in the game. (laughs) 
Did the length of Sun and Moon or any other games affect your enjoyment of the Pokemon games or any other games? I'm looking forward to some time off next month. So besides God of War, hopefully I'll be able to jump back into it for Summer League. Since I no longer have a Green Tauros badge to do the 2018 rules, maybe this poem will be enough to warrant consideration. Charmanders are red, Bulbasaur's are blue, and in Soviet Russia, Thatch roasts you. <laughs> Flip to the flop, Breeder Simeo. So I really like, I, okay, so I like his comment about Pokemon Sun and Moon taking 30 to 40 hours. So first of all, yeah, let's let's take a moment and just realize that like the plot of Sun and Moon was, I, I think first the plot of Sun and Moon was very much more handholdy than any other plot we've had previously in a Pokemon game. Like, yeah, you need to go beat the gym leader so that you can go get the next badge. But it wasn't like Pokemon Sun and Moon where it's like, here's a flag on the map to the next place you need to go to complete the story. And then the story was just so long, man. Especially in the original Sun and Moon where like the cut, like the credit scene was like 15 minutes, I swear. And that's just gross to me. That's just gross. But, well, so I I really do like the idea of uh, just not handholding. I, I really like, I'm going back to uh, the last person's email, that one geek. And I think that's a really good way to just look at it. Like we don't want to be handheld. We don't want the story to take over our Pokemon experience. We really like this headcanon idea. And I feel like Sun and Moon lost that to an extent. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Um, I, so um, I, I liked Sun and Moon's story to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought the ultra beasts were pretty cool. I and I did like where to go next because it felt to me um, like by no means was Sun and Moon um, an open uh, open world RPG, but it felt uh, bigger in my opinion. And it could have been the way that that everything was laid out, but it didn't seem quite as linear. And uh, so having those markers saying where you were supposed to be going next, I think helped out. A little bit because it was a little bit bigger and also in games i'm not one of those people that super explores <laughs> yeah so knowing exactly where to go when replaying the games was really helpful for me i could believe that yeah mm-hmm. no i i agree with that maximus do you have any ideas or any any thoughts when I play pokemon uh it's i guess i can say it's pretty much a combination sure i want Pokemon to be e story look not not that fully story driven, but it's more of an experience. Like, cause if you think about it, all Pokemon games pretty much have the same story. You're new to the region, you're going through journey, you're going across the region, meeting new Pokemon, new people, overcoming challenges. It, it's kind of I guess it really depends on a personal aspect of what do you personally look for in a Pokemon game. If you mm-hmm. if I, if I want to be honest, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, but I think that I, I like that email. Thanks a lot for that, uh, Simeo. Uh, so yeah. this next oh, one, really, oh, go for it. Oh, sorry, really, really quick. I wanted to interject. Uh, um, I think that uh, in a bubble, yeah, you can say that uh, um, some of the Pokemon game stories were relatively strong, but for Pokemon, you know, like yes. their, their stories were never their stories were never strong, as far as I'm concerned. Um. And I think evidence of that is the fact that uh, Nuzlocks and Wedlocks and all those other uh, ways to play the game that challenge yourself more 
the reason why they're more fun than the vanilla game, in my opinion, is because uh, there's so much more story in your head that's going on. Like, oh, no, at this route, which I would have normally just went through, you know, uh, my favorite Pokemon died, you know. So you're creating mm-hmm. this story for yourself as you're playing it, which uh, adds to the finality and uh, the feels while you're playing the game that is just not there in the game, period. So I think, um, uh, yeah, the, the fact that we have invented ways to put more story in the game without actually doing it um, is, uh, I think, a testament to the fact that the stories are extremely lacking in a lot of ways. I agree. I agree. I I think, mm-hmm. yeah, let, let's just move on before I go on to like a super side tangent. But yeah, let's go to this next one then. Maximus, you've got this one from Uncle Oshawott. Roger that. <clears throat> okay, don't freeze on me now. <laughs> okay. Hello, hopefully returning Thatch. And the same to his reliable co-host. It's your boy, Uncle Osh here, writing in for another mailbag. So, story in Pokemon has always been important to me. As stated on the podcast, I can never bring myself to actually complete the original red, blue, and yellow due to their lack of direction with story. My Pokemon games don't need to be hand-holdy. Looking at you, Sun and Moon, but a little bit of something to keep uh, keep me interested in. Snag's idea sounded most promising. Having story on the side with a semi-open world. This won't necessarily limit the story. Looking at you, Breath of the Wild. An idea I had was picking up story arcs from an epic NPC, such like the post Gamer Locker. Oh, for game... Oh, man, I read that wrong. (laughs) Start of the post game Looker Quest in X and Y. I can agree with that. Multiple mm-hmm. achievements in the game unlock more story arcs. Achievements like beating the gym. The arcs will be done in order, but you won't but you'll be able to stack the number of arcs you have available. That way you can beat the whole game without without a single story blip or be a classic hero who beats the evil team and catches the box of legendaries. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. <sighs> And if the Pokemon Switch games are truly remakes of Kanto, I personally think that this would be capture a feel of the region perfectly. Well, that's just a rough idea of switching things up for Pokemon Switch. What are your own thoughts? Uncle Oshawott, the big boy in town. I'd answer that, but I think we've kind of already talked about it to an extent with the rumors that are going around and just kind of exploded in this past week. So I don't want to I don't want to go too far. So <laughs> I think that's where we're going to wrap it up though today, guys. Um, if you guys want to send an email in to us next week, answer the question: What do you think of Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee rumors? You can send that in to us at pucklepodcast at gmail I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this. So without further ado, with that, uh, do we think anybody that we read today deserves the green Tauros badge roll thingamajigger on Discord? I thought that uh, um, uh, Breeder Simeo's um, email was was pretty interesting. Um, And I like the idea of how 
the stories um mm-hmm. because they're so lackluster uh if they're dragged out <laughs> to 30 to 40 hours then they can just be really depressing <laughs> <laughs> no i think you're right i think i i would agree with you with uh with simio so yeah. Simeo, you've got the green tourist badge. Just let somebody know on the Discord server that you won, and you can go ahead and get that green colored roll on the Discord server. So until next week, guys, uh, here there's a few things you can do. If you want to come and hang out with us, you can check us out on Discord. The link is in the show notes. You can, of course, also check out the rest of our social media, Twitter, Facebook, and I guess YouTube. We still have one of those. We're going to start getting some other stuff going on that YouTube here real soon. And then on top of that, we're going to keep on going with a few other things. Uh, we've got, uh, man, I'm just I'm just messing up today. Uh, you can check us out on Twitch. I'll be back this week on Twitch. And I know Jashiro has been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thepucklepodcast. I'm really excited to get back to it. I'm on Thursdays right now, though I might move that to Wednesdays. And I know Jashiro is on Mondays. So definitely check out those streams. They're a lot of fun. It's a good way to interact with us and with the rest of the community. You can also go ahead and follow us on... Uh, on anything else you can find us on. We really appreciate it. If you would like to donate to the show, you could go ahead and go on over to patreon.com slash pucklepodcast where you can do so and get some awesome rewards in the process. You can also go ahead and check out Puckle uh, on T Public, where we have some awesome designs for you guys to try. Buy. Anything you buy there helps out the show, and we really do appreciate anything you can do to help us out because it helps us do awesome and crazy things for you guys. So I guess, oh, also, I forget to mention this the entire show. Don't forget PuckleCon 2018 is happening in Dayton, Ohio at the Dayton Convention Center, July 21st and 22nd. So check it out. Also, the schedule is up online for that if you guys care about it. So I hope to see you guys there if you can make it. So I guess that's everything, though. So I am Trainer Thatch. I'm Mr. Maximus. I'm Basket. And here in the Lavender Town Radio Tower... It's closing time.
And as always, we would like to thank our patrons who make everything we do here possible. So thank you to Declan, Duly Noted, Rotted Mushroom, Dexio, the Ten Little Men, V for Viking, Andrea, the fluffiest ones we got, Dr. Shamu, Manga87, Professor Snag, Jushiro, Bosephus, Alvarin, Seth Vilo, Minor Manetric, Claude9, Chris, John, Joshua, Doc McStuffles, Nathan, the Golden Klefki, Uncle Oshawott, Trevor, TJ, Shambles, Birdkeeper Cobra, Richard, Daniel, Traby, Greg, Alec, Mikey, Ozzy, Kenneth, the British Gent, Sparky, Brian, Orange Avenger, Echo, Thomas, Jedi DJ, Antonio, Locke, Dennis the DDG Maniac, Anime Gravy, Travis, Mark, Inferno235, and The Real EV. Without these guys, it wouldn't be possible. If you guys want to try to be like them and get your name at the end of the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash podcast. We will catch you guys on the flip-flop. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 